0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message.
1: You guys are awesome. Now, you guys remember, I'm a ho- holler back at your boy up here. All right. You can't talk back to your mama, but you can talk back in church. Well, today we are right, and some of you are going to get that in a few minutes and be like. Today we are right in week three, right in the middle of our four week series called The Vow, where we are talking about marriage and we are investing right into the lives of those who will one day be married. So if you're not married yet, that's good news. You're not married yet. So we're going to invest and talk about some things because my desire, my heart would be that you would get the foundation now that you need to have a God honoring marriage before you actually get married. Because it's so much better to build upon a firm and godly foundation than it is to try to start and just figure it out and then get down the road and wish, man, I wish I would have had that back then. So we want to give us some tools that we need to build that foundation. And I want to speak directly right into marriages. Man, I've been praying for you guys and for your marriages, and I believe that God is doing something new and God is uh, doing some restoration, some work in the lives of those of us who are already married because he wants us to have the kind of marriage that honors him right? It's different than what the world shows us. So we're going to talk about some things and invest directly into the lives of people who are married already so that you can have the right toolkit to build some things in your marriage so that you can have that God-honoring marriage that affects not only you but your children and your children's children, that it changes the course of your family history from whatever has been to wherever God wants to take it. Amen? Amen? So that's what we're doing here. And as we talk through this series we've been we've been exploring this idea this overarching idea for this whole series uh, that we don't find great marriages we build them we don't find them they don't just drop into our laps we don't just you know get lucky and pull a slot machine and hopefully I get a good marriage out of this deal no we build great marriages and so we've been looking at the scripture from Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3 it's kind of our foundation of this series and it says this it says by wisdom a house is built And through understanding, it is established. It's not through our understanding. It's through understanding the Spirit of God. And it says, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We don't find a great marriage. We build one. Let me pray for you today as we get into the word. Lord, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for all these amazing people that you planted us in your body together. Lord God, we're not here by accident, but we're actually here by your divine purpose. So, Lord, I thank you just for speaking to hearts and minds today, Lord God. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my words, Lord, but let your spirit speak to us, Lord God. And I pray that our hearts would be good ground, Lord, that your word would go down deep inside of us and take root and produce fruit. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, if you missed any of the weeks, I encourage you to get on the podcast, get on the website, and listen to those. In week number one, uh, we talked about the vow of priority, right? The vow of priority. I promise that God will always be my one, and my spouse will always be my two. God is our top priority. Our spouse is our second. In week number two, last week, we talked the vow of pursuit. Now, did you all have a good week of pursuit this week? If you did, just smile real big. I know, it was- Some of y'all had a good week, I can tell by your smiles. The vow of pursuit, I promise to always pursue my two. Always pursue my two. This week, today, we're talking about the vow of partnership. The vow of partnership. And so we're going to get into this, and I have a question for you today. How many of you married somebody that's a little different than you? How many of you ever dated somebody that maybe is a little different than you? Maybe a little opposite even, right? Because when we're first getting together and dating, opposites attract, right? All those things that I'm not, you know, she is and all that kind of stuff, opposites attract. But what tends to happen so many times is while we're dating and first together, opposites attract. And before long, if we're not careful, opposites then attack, right? Right? Opposites at first attract, but then later they tend to attack. Heather and I are pretty different in our relationship. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, she. When we're on a road trip, I'll just put it this way: when we're on a road trip, she was the one who sees the signs, like, "Can we stop and see the six-legged pony?" I'm like, "No, we got somewhere to be." It's not even real anyway. The six-legged pony is not even real. I'm sorry to burst your bubbles, but. She likes to stop and smell the roses. I'm just ready to keep on moving down the road. We're just opposite in a lot of ways. And that's really good. It's good that we're different. We're not supposed to be the same. Because if we were the same, exactly the same, then one of us really becomes unnecessary, right? See, the enemy likes to come in and use our differences to separate and divide us, to kind of bring division, to put a wedge in there. Right? But see, God wants to use our differences to unite us, to do something strong with us, through us. Our, the enemy wants to separate us. God wants to use our differences to s- strengthen us. So today we're going to talk about the vow of partnership. So for our vow today, this is going to be our vow. If you've got your worship guide on the back, there's a place to take notes. If you've got your phone, whatever you use to take notes, I want you to write this down. Our vow today is this. I promise that our marriage will be about we and not me. The vow of partnership. I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. See, because marriage is entering into a covenant relationship with our spouse. It's till death do us part. It's for better or for poor, richer, richer for poor, better or worse. Till death do us part. We serve God together. We glorify God together. Our lives are not about me anymore. Our lives are now about we So I want to start by looking at the same verse we looked at last week, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. There's actually three places throughout the scripture where this verse is used and quoted. Jesus actually quoted this verse in one point, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it says this in Genesis 2. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Last week, we talked about this word united And in the Hebrew meaning there is debak, how they relentlessly pursue one another. They are united. I think it's interesting about the word united is that there's this difference between the word united and the word untied, right? God wants us to unite us by our differences, right? The enemy wants us to become untied because of our differences. And the only difference between this word is the placement of I. If I is in the wrong place, then we become untied. But when I is in the right place, we are united. Our marriage is no longer about we. It's about we, not about me. Can't get that mixed up. Before we look at this verse of what, where Jesus quoted this, I want to just say this because I understand um, that a lot of times, and maybe there's some of you in this room who have gone through painful relationships before. Maybe there's been divorce or different things. You've walked through painful relationships in your life. And I understand that's difficult, and I understand the weight of that. My parents were divorced when I was young, so I grew up on the opposite side of that, experiencing those types of deals in a different way. But I I would just say this to those of you who have gone through painful uh, relationships before that, it's not over. Just because you've walked through something in the past, we can't change the past. But what we can do is we can allow the truth of Scripture to speak to us and build for the future. Because our best days are right in front of us. Just because we've been through something painful in the past doesn't mean that's the end, that it's over. And even those of you that are single moms in this place, I would speak the same thing to you. I was raised by a single mom. So just because you're a single mom right now doesn't mean that it has to be the end, that it's not going to work out. I'm just going to scrape through and barely make it by. God has greater things in your future than the things in your past. But we're going to have to allow him to speak to us. And change some things in us, right? Because if all I have is me, if I just think I have all the best of it together and I just keep full of myself, there's no room for God in there. So we've got to allow God the Father, our good Father, to bring some correction in our lives, to take things out of us that he knows better shouldn't be there so that we can have more of him in us, right? Sometimes I think we pray that we're like, God, would you fill me up? I want more of you in my life. But we're not willing to let go of things that he's saying, hey, this doesn't need to have any place in your life. And then we wonder why we don't have more of him. Because we're just trying to hold on to everything that we think is best. We need more of him and less of us. That's a good place to say amen right there. That wasn't even in my notes. That was a free one. But... (laughs) Some, so I just, I just say that to speak to those who have been through that before because I know some of you would even say, I didn't want that. I didn't want it to turn out that way. Some of you might even say it was my fault and it turned out that way, but I, would just, I, just, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying this morning. But I want to speak the truth of what's in God's word so that we can have a foundation. The past is the past. We're not worried about changing the past. We're worried about what God can do with us now and moving forward. So we're going to lay this foundation and allow God to speak to us in this way. So in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is speaking and all the religious people are coming together and they're testing Jesus, trying to trick him, trying to see if they can find any faults to him. And they're asking him questions about marriage. And they say this. He says this in response to their questions. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? And this is kind of like he's kind of getting them a little dig, you know, like because they're the religious people. They are the scribes, the Pharisees and all those kinds of people. They study the scriptures their whole life. They know all 614 of the commandments. And he's saying, haven't you read the scriptures? (laughs) you you see that? There's there's funny. There's humor in the Bible, y'all. You just come on. Yeah, he's throwing the shade at those guys. I like that. (laughs) Haven't you read the scriptures that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? For this is the reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. He's quoting Genesis 2 for him. And they too become one flesh. They're not separate anymore. They become one flesh. They're joined together. And he goes on, he says, they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. They're not separate anymore. They are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. They're joined together as one flesh. They're not two anymore. They are one. They are we, no longer me. They're joined together that's my that's good and all right it's thanks thanks for sharing that that's good, but how do we actually do this that's that's how that's where I 'm at in life like I like to know what does this mean for me on monday like it's cool like Jesus doesn't want us to be separate how do but what does it mean on Monday? Like, that's where, that's where my mind works. So what I want to do today is I want to talk kind of give us a little spiritual foundation for what uh, marriage really is. And then I want to give us two specific things on how we can live this vow of partnership out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And the times when, you know, we just don't feel like it and the times our spouse is annoying us the most. We've got to know how to live this out, right? So we're going to, that's what we're going to do today. I want to give us a foundation because too many times people talk about marriage in this terms of like a conversation contract, right? Like it's something like that a piece of paper that we sign, something we go to the justice of the peace for, or the judge for, it, it, implying that marriage is a, a contract. People even try to define marriage as like a legal definition, right? Like there's all kinds of definitions of marriage out there. But I would, t- I would put to us that according to scripture, that marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant before a holy God. And there's a big, big difference between a covenant and a contract. So I want to look at what these two differences are between a contract and a covenant. So if you're taking notes, write this down. A contract is based on mutual distrust. Contract is based on mutual distrust. Basically, it's saying that I'm in as far as you're in. I don't know you that well, so I'm going to make you sign this piece of paper saying that you'll live up to your end of the deal, and if you don't, I have recourse against you. I'm in as far as you are in, right? This is a contract. Think about if you've ever rented a house before where well, you sign a rental agreement, basically saying, I'm in as far as the landlord is in. I promise to pay to live here, and that landlord promises not to kick me out. <laughs> right As long as I pay in, then the landlord, I'm in, we're in as far as the other person is in. But the moment that I stop paying, that guy has recourse against me to kick me out. Likewise, I have recourse against the landlord as soon as he stops taking care of the house and makes sure it's kept up. I can come against him legally. I'm in as far as he is in. That's a contract. But a covenant is completely different. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. It's not, I'm in as far as you're in. It's not 50-50. I'm in 100% with everything I've got. I am all in. This is a covenant based on mutual commitment. This word covenant is used throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the Old Testament word is this word bereath. And it actually literally means to cut, a cutting, to cut or to bind together. And in the Old Testament, we see this word being used as a picture of, of marriage. And what would happen is, uh, and I apologize, this makes you squirm in your chair a little bit, maybe it's a little uncomfortable, a little graphic. But the, in a marriage in the Old Testament, the husband and wife would come before the priest and the priest would take a blade and cut into the hand of the husband, the groom. And he would start to bleed. And then he would take the same blade and cut into the hand of the bride. And then he would put their hands together. And the blood would be mingled together. And he would take a cord and wrap it around their hands. Symbolizing that they are not two anymore. That they are now joined together. That they are one. Leviticus says the life is in the blood. That's why blood is so important. And you take that a step further. Then we see the bride and the groom going on their honeymoon, right? And then in God's perfect design, we see, you know, the virgin man and the virgin woman coming together and sharing the gift of lovemaking. And in that moment, there's also a shedding of blood that happens, establishing a covenant. That is God's perfect design, right? And I would say, you know, that is holy and righteous before God. It's holy and righteous before God. And that's why even the gift of lovemaking is reserved for marriage. Right? It's beautiful and holy before God. But what happens is that our spiritual enemy, the devil, he likes to come in and take things that God created and designed and twist them. That is his nature. That's where the word wicked comes from, is from twisted things. Okay? So the enemy likes to come and take things that God made as beautiful, twist them, distort them, and trick people with them. That's why we see such a distortion of sexuality and all those things in our in our world, a distortion of the gift that God gave to us of of lovemaking between a husband and a wife. And we see the distortion of it and it's thrown in our face and pressed in our culture. And we're told that this is the normal thing, but that's not how it was from the beginning. God created it for man and woman to enjoy in this setting. And I know Maybe you're thinking, well, that sounds old-fashioned and maybe even a little weird. And I'm cool with that. If you want normal, you can have normal. But when I look around and I see normal relationships in our world, when I see normal marriages, I want nothing to do with it. Because normal relationships in our world, aren't they filled with pain and mistrust and no boundaries and divorce and all these things? I don't want normal if that's what normal is. I'm going to take the path less traveled. I'm going to take the narrow gate. If you want to go the wide, normal gate that everyone else that leads to destruction, you can do that. I'm just telling you, God has a better way that leads us down a narrow gate. And that narrow gate is, yes, sharing that gift between a husband and wife once they're married. Now, I know some of you are thinking right now, well, it's too late for me. I, just, I didn't start out that way, Pastor. And that's all right. I don't want you to be sitting here and allow condemnation to set in. Because, again, that is the devil coming and trying to twist something that God wants to do in our lives. See, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit works in us, brings conviction to our lives. Conviction is where our parents correct us. right? God's a good father to us. We're going one direction. Hey, hey, I need you to come this way. Right? This is the natural thing of conviction. But the enemy loves to come in to churches and points where we're spending time with God. We're hearing God speak to us. He says, I don't want this in your life anymore. And then the enemy comes and he says, oh, now don't you feel bad about that? He brings condemnation. He he wants to twist God's conviction to press us down, to make you feel bad. See, you're just not good enough. You just didn't live up to what God said. See, that's condemnation. I don't want you to buy into that. Conviction brings us to a place of repentance where, God, I'm sorry, I, I went this way. And we, and we just change courses. That's conviction. So don't listen to that. I mean, maybe you didn't start out this way and you've made some other choices and that's OK. We're not changing the past. But from this moment forward, God, I'm going this way. God, I'm going to go your direction and just allow from this moment forward. I'm going to choose to live a pure life this way. Right? We can't change the past. We're not worried about that. That doesn't define who we are. What defines us is the choices we make from this day moving forward. So don't buy into those lies today, today we see so many crazy things out there, right? And what happens is people do married things before they're married, right? (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. And I'm just going to take this moment to get up in your business, if that's okay, because I love you. But people do married things before we're married, right? And I'm just going to leave it at that because there might be some kids in the room still, right? But we just get in this mode of like, I like you. I think I even love you. Let's save money and live together, right? I'll put my toothbrush next to yours. Let's buy a sofa and a coffee table, right? And then what happens is the problem here is that then we get down the road and all of a sudden, boy, why are you looking at that girl like that? I don't like you anymore. Well, she's just not meeting my needs. She's not making me happy anymore. And because we've entered into a contract, there's no there's no covenant there. I'm in as far as you're in. Well, now I'm upset with you. We're done with this. I'm going to take my toothbrush. I'll take the sofa. You take the coffee table. We'll go on. I'll find somebody else who's going to make me happy and satisfy my need. I'll find that prettier girl, right? Whatever it is, there's, it's, I'm in 50-50. I'm practicing this life of marriage. I'm married before. I'm married, right? Practicing marriage. And then all of a sudden we do that with one person. And now I moved on to the next person and the next person. And when I'm done with this person, I'm going to practice divorce and move on to this next person. And then we look around and we wonder why marriages are in such a terrible place in our world today, because we just fall back to the things we've practiced so many times. I pretend like I'm married when I'm done with you and hard times come and they will come. Hard times, struggles will come. The feelings of love and rapture will leave, and then you've got to figure it out, right? When those things come and you've practiced, well, now I just don't feel like I love this person anymore. I'm going to find somebody who I feel like I love now. I wonder why divorce is so rampant among our culture because we pretended to be married and we practice divorce. God has a different way for us to live. We're not going to be in a contract, we're going to be in a covenant. That's why we're all in 100%. I am all in with everything I have till death do us part for sickness and in health, for richer or poor, no matter what comes our way, we're going to serve God together. It's not about me, it's about we. We are in a partnership, we are in a covenant together serving God. That's a good place to say amen amen it's not 50 50 it's not i'm it's not i'm in as far as you're in it's a hundred percent baby we are in this together so there's two characteristics of how we actually live this way in a covenant partnership you're like great pastor what are these two things so that i can do this so i want you to write these two things down because a covenant partnership has godly leadership and mutual submission godly leadership and mutual submission. Now, I know as soon as I said the S word in church, submission, some of you are like, Argh. some of you are like, well, pastor, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about some, you know, but hey, I want you to notice I said mutual submission. And I understand it's a delicate topic because it, that word has been abused and used and misunderstood in so many ways. But we're going to look at the truth from God's word and see what it says about submission. All right. Mutual submission. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let me ask a question because there's different types of people in relationships. How many of you in your relationships are the more dominant one? You're the more dominant person. just raise your hand. That's all right. No, no elbows or spouses. Let me see all the dominant people. All right, I got a few. I got a few honest people on this side over here. Where's all the, my passive people? You're the passive one in the relationship. Let me see your hands. Okay, if you're wondering which one am I am I the passive- you are the passive one if you don't know you are the passive more passive one. Just want to help you out with that one this morning. <laughs> in my relationship with my wife, Heather, I' am the more dominant one. she's the more passive one i It's just just the way it is, but if I'm honest, I would be so foolish. I would be the dumbest person alive if I did not listen to her, right because she has amazing. Gifts inside of her, talents and abilities, passions, things that God has put inside of her. And I would be foolish if I didn't listen to her and just demanded my own way. See, demanding my own way, that's not submission. That's a dictator. That's not what Scripture is telling us to do. Submit to one another. See, my wife has this uh, gift, a spiritual gift of discernment about her. And so we'll be talking to somebody, met somebody for the first time. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Everything's good. Cool, man. Yeah. And later we'll get back and she'll be like, you need to be careful with that person. Something's not right. Like, what are you talking about? They were so nice. They told me how great I did and everything. Like, everything was cool. What are you talking about? I would be so stupid if I didn't listen to her. But see, we're both in 100%, right? Because we're in a partnership. So it's not about me and what I think. It's about we. So it would be foolish for me not to listen to what she has to say, right? If that's submitting to one another. Ephesians 5 goes on and says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives submit to their husbands and everything. Guys, don't make any facial expressions right now. Just don't even (laughs) smile. Because our turn is coming. There's a lot more written about husbands and what we have to do than there is about wives. So just keep that in mind. And I know know when when we read this and we're talking about wives submitting to our husbands, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding that's happened. There's a lot of abuse that's happened. Uh, And so instead of me standing up here saying, ladies, this is what you... I ask my wife a few questions and ask her to answer these. So let's see what her take is on this wives submitting to husbands. Let's see what she has to say.
0: I think the word submission has kind of gotten a bad rap when you hear it. What you normally think of is doormat, which I think is so sad because if we really look at what the Bible says and what it talks about when submitting, it talks about how Christ not only submitted, but he surrendered his life over for us. It was the most beautiful act of love. And I think the same in marriage. You know, as long as we keep God number one and our husband or our spouse number two, makes it a little bit easier to submit And we still find ourselves in those guidelines that God has given us. If Chris were to come to me, and he would never do this, but if he did and he said, Heather, I need you to rob this bank, well, clearly I wouldn't do that. Clearly I would go with submitting under God's authority because he's number one. And that helps me to also give the why as why I can't do that because I'm submitting to God first and he's not going to allow me to do that. I think Chris makes it pretty easy um, to submit to him, and I'm so thankful. I recognize that not every marriage um, is the same, and I recognize that maybe it's not easy for every wife to submit and honor her husband. But if I could take a moment and just talk to the husbands and say, if your wife isn't honoring and isn't submitting to you, then check out the trust in your relationship. You know, for us... um, Chris has always been the one that I trusted from the moment that we started dating it was easy to trust him because I always knew that he had my best interests at heart and the same is true today 17 years later and I know that whatever his decision is on whatever the circumstance that it's for my benefit it's for Bella's benefit that it's not about him self seeking or self pleasing to get to the top and leave us behind but if anything he's always pushing us above himself and so um, guys you know if if that's an issue, then start there. Start with the trust. Ask your wife, what is it that I can do that would help you to trust me more? And I think also submitting is its its tricky because people think of submitting and they're like, oh, this terrible thing. It's all of a sudden I'm a slave to it. And that's not true. You know, in our relationship, we're submitted to one another. Chris is not bullying me. He's not pointing his finger and telling me what to do. And I'm just running after it. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not me pulling or demanding or manipulating as his wife. You know, we're submitted to each other. We're making decisions together. And when, um, you know, when we disagree, it's not me going a different direction. It's me saying, okay, you know what? I trust you enough that I'm going to follow you because God's number one and you're my number two. And I can trust that the decision that you're making is the one that's best for our family.
1: I am so thankful for her. And my life, praise the Lord, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But if I could just talk a moment to the men. Guys, we're called to be leaders. We're called to lead in our family. Scripture says that we are the point of our family. We are the head of our family. And too many times we see kind of the the dominant kind of dictator, abusive role in leadership. And that's not how we're called to be. And especially in these days and times, I see more and more of actually the opposite, where guys are abdicating that leadership in their home, being more passive and just stepping back and like, well, I guess somebody else will. But if I could just tell you, that's not who we're called to be. We're called to be the leaders in our homes, Mm -hmm. the leaders of our families. What that means is I'm not having to make all the decisions. I'm not up there to be a dictator and force everyone to do what I think. As a leader in my home, I'm setting the tone and the direction. That's what that means. I'm setting the tone and the direction. This is who we are. This is how we're going to act. And this is where we're going. Setting the tone and the direction. I don't make all the decisions. Same thing at the church. I lead the church, but I don't make all the decisions. I have people that I've empowered and trusted to make decisions all day long, and they do. And I'm super thankful for them because the reality is I I can't even make all the decisions. I will be run ragged trying to make every little decision. That's not the way God designed us to be. See, as husbands, we set the tone and the direction, and then together we lead. Our our wives lead with us, and they make decisions and contribute massive ways all day long. Together, we co-lead our children into life-giving relationships with Jesus. We set, set the tone and the direction, and then together we figure it out. We make decisions together. It's never me just lording anything over her. Submit to me, woman. <laughs> it's f- it's funny to say and laugh about, but we've all heard people talk and think that way before. That's not what it is. We are submitted to each other. We are in this thing together. We are in a partnership. And I would just say to you, I heard so many times I just wish this woman would submit to me. She just listened to what I had to say. She won't let me get a word in edgewise. Guys, sometimes we just need to give her something that's worthy of submitting to. Too many times we're trying to be forceful and demanding our own way. See, as a leader, I'm setting the tone and direction. I'm going to be the one to serve first, and I'm going to serve the most. Right? I'm going to set the tone and the direction. As a husband, that's what we do. In fact, Ephesians, it goes on. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of, with water through the word. I wonder, when was the last time? We prayed the scriptures over our wives. When was the last time we prayed over that woman that one day you'll be married to? You pray the scriptures over her, that God would keep her safe, that God would protect her heart and her mind because out of her heart flows all the issues of life. God protect her heart, guard her heart. When was the last time we washed her in the word so that she can be presented to himself as a radiant church, one without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, but holy blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their bodies, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Now, check this out. We're going back to Genesis 2 right here. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother. He's joined to his wife. He's pursuing relentlessly after his wife, and then the two are united. They're one flesh. What is this a picture of? This is a picture of mutual submission. This is a picture of godly leadership. This is a picture of the vow of partnership. I'm in 100% all the way. And I know sometimes it's hard because you're like, I just don't feel it. I don't feel like loving her today. In fact, we fell out of love a long time ago. I just don't feel like it. Can I just say a very pastoral thing to you? Get over your feelings. Just get over it. We just need to get over our feelings. Because for us to say we're going to separate or just stay together for the kids or live in separate rooms in our house or get divorced because we fell out of love, that's as silly as saying, well, my car ran out of gas, so I just left it by the side of the road. If your car runs out of gas, what do you do? Fill it up. If your marriage runs out of love, if you're in a covenant, what do you do? Fill it up. I, if you're if you're just in a contract, you probably bail. But we are in 100%. We are all the way. We are in this thing for good. For no matter what, I'm gonna fill it up. And it's it's not always gonna be easy. But if we want things that other people don't have, we're gonna have to do some things that other people won't. If you want normal, you can have it. I don't, I want to be as far away from that as I possibly can. And I just I, I want to say this too because I know that so many times. Can be in a relationship, I'm all in, but my spouse, they just they just don't see it that way. And I know that's hard. I, I, I mean, I can't say that I know I haven't experienced that. I know it's difficult. I know it's got to be painful. but I'm just telling you when you're in a covenant relationship you're in all the way, mean all the way. They might not be there yet. I'm in all the way. I'm going to serve the best. I'm going to serve first. I'm going to, I'm going to do that high. I'm in no matter what. Scripture even talks about this process and says that if your spouse won't, if they have different views and they're not in it all the way, you be in it all the way because you, by being in all the way, isn't a godly example to them. And maybe perhaps God will move on their hearts and change their hearts because of your service to them. I know it's not easy. It's not. It's not. But you can do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Can we just take a moment in this time and just pray together? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes all across this room? I believe that God is moving and speaking. See, this is where the rubbers meet in the road. Where we're saying, God, I don't feel it. But aren't you so glad? Jesus didn't live by his feelings, that when he was being beaten by the Roman scourge, 39 lashes, that he didn't say, sorry guys, I don't feel like being beaten today. I know these stripes are for your physical healing, but I just don't feel like it. Aren't you so glad that Jesus took those stripes for your healing? Aren't you so glad that when they went to put the nails through his hands into the cross? Guys, I don't feel like this today. I know this is to allow people to come into right relationship with God, but I don't feel like it. I'm so thankful, Jesus. You, you took those nails and those stripes for me. So, Lord, I pray for every person that's here right now.